1: Well, it is a great pleasure to welcome to the program Bruce Miles. If you're a Cub fan, a baseball fan, you've read his work through the years, you've heard him on Chicago radio, Bruce has teamed up with Jesse Rogers on a brand-new book. It's called The Franchise, Chicago Cubs, A Curated History of the North Siders. and it is my pleasure to welcome to the program Bruce Miles. Bruce, it's Darren Pritchett, a pleasure to talk to you. How are you today?
2: I'm uh, doing great, Darren. Always uh, good to talk Cubs baseball and Cubs books.
1: You bet. We really appreciate your time, and I want to dig right in. I had the chance on the 4th of July to get through many of the chapters of the book, and for Cub fans, this is going to be a wonderful read. And Let me start with one of the franchise's greatest players, Sammy Sosa, the franchise all-time home run leader. Of course, that weird ending he walked out of the team last day of the 4 season, leading to the trade to Baltimore during that offseason. Bruce, from your standpoint, how would you describe this complicated relationship between Sammy, the franchise, and the fans? And do you think there'll ever be a happy ending to this story?
2: Well, I'm glad you started with that chapter because it's my favorite one to have written. I think it's the longest one in the book. And, yes, I state in there that Sammy's legacy – is a really complicated one and i think there are several off ramps here to a happy ending uh i think it's long overdue that the cubs and sammy reconcile and you can believe or not believe that he belongs in the hall of fame he didn't make it he's done on that ballot but uh he can still be welcomed back by the cubs there is a committee of which i'm a member uh to select players to the cubs hall of fame if sammy is he elected to that this year or next, whenever he's on our ballot? I think that that puts a lot of pressure on Tom Ricketts, the Cubs owner, to say, "Hey, Sammy, come on back for this ceremony and you know maybe give the crowd a wave during the seventh inning." I, I don't, really don't know why Tom Ricketts, the owner of the Cubs, has gone on this long with uh, keeping Sammy kind of in exile here, but I, I think it's high time and it's been high time to to mend those fences.
1: Hmm. Let's fast forward a little bit, Bruce. When the Cubs hired Joe Men as their manager in 2015, they definitely hired a interesting and strong personality. During that year, I remember the Cubs and Cardinals had a, a famous game in which there were some batters that were hit. And, and Joe, I think, standing up for his team and setting a precedent called St. Louis a bunch of vigilantes and how he was a big fan of Branch Rickey. He had never read that the Cardinal way of of playing the game of baseball. But with Madden, he took over a very talented young team. How much credit does Joe get for grooming that young Cubs team, handling that locker room, and basically setting them up very quickly for that World Series championship?
2: Well, I'll never forget that day that Joe went off on the Cardinals. It was a Friday afternoon, (laughs) and there were some beanballs back and forth. And I had my video camera ready for the paper. We were doing a lot of videos along with our stories and I knew, I knew Joe wanted to go off. So I asked him the question and he uh, did not fail to deliver on that (laughs) one. I think Joe deserves a lot of credit because he changed the culture of that young team. You remember in 15, when they started doing well, they were quote unquote a year ahead of schedule in their development to being winners. Well, they ended up going to the NLCS early in the year. Joe said that he had to get the Cubs to believe that they could beat the St. Louis Cardinals. By the end of that year, they did believe that, and they finished them off in the uh, National League Division Series. So I think Joe gets a lot of credit for changing the culture of that team and getting those young players to believe they could win.
1: Bruce Miles is my guest. His new book, The Franchise, Chicago Cubs, a curated history of the North Siders. There is a great long history in this I-55 rivalry between the Cubs and the Cardinals. And one of the highlights, or lowlights, depending on which side of the aisle you're on, was the infamous Brock for Brolio trade. Bruce, at the time, weren't there people that believed the Cubs actually robbed St. Louis in this trade?
2: Oh, certainly. And that's another chapter that I had a good time writing it was kind of an add-on chapter. I took on a couple of extra chapters late in the process. And that's one I always wanted to explore. Everybody knows the details. The Cubs traded Lou Brock to the Cardinals for pitcher Ernie Brolio. Brock went on to the Hall of Fame. Brolio was, got hurt, might have been damaged goods when the Cubs got him. But, yes, there were newspapers in Chicago that were saying, oh, thank you, Redbirds will be happy to do business with you anytime. <laughs> and there were banners in Old Bush Stadium in St. Louis that you know said, you know, what, what's going on here, Brock for Brolio, how could you do this? Well, how indeed. So Brolio was a pitcher who was a, a big winner up until that point, and then Brock was a guy who was kind of floundering with the Cubs under their cockamamie college of coaches system in which they rotated head coaches in and out like a college type thing with an athletic director. Brock really didn't know which end was up with the Cubs. I think they misused him. They really didn't understand his uh, speed could be a weapon. He did have some good power. opened the chapter, I think, with a uh, home run to the center field bleachers in the polo grounds, which Mm. was nearly 500 feet away. Mm. So I I think that the, the question remains, and we try to Uh, answer that in the book if the if the Cubs had held on to Brock if the College of Coaches system had been abandoned would he have turned out differently could he have been a Hall of Famer with the Cubs as he was with the Cardinals we'll never know but uh, if that particular system had gone on maybe not maybe you know the Cubs at that point you know, had
1: little choice. On a more positive note, in terms of a transaction that worked out very well, and as I set this up, I had the great pleasure to call South Bend Cub games for six years, and one of the highlights during the Midwest League All-Star Game in 19, Ryan Sandberg sat down and did an inning with me, which was just an absolute honor and a thrill, and I can't imagine, Bruce, in the history of the Cubs, there have been Many deals that worked out any better when the Cubs picked up this Ryan Sandberg guy from the Philadelphia Phillies.
2: Yeah, Ryan and I had a chance to sit down last week uh, or last year during the weekend where the Cubs inducted their own Hall of Famers. And I kind of kidded him about being a throw in <laughs> on that trade, you know, getting Larry Boa, who was a big name shortstop, in that deal. And Ryan said, Yeah, Larry is the actual one who uh, kind of pinned that tag on me as throw in. And, you know, his career with the Cubs started off kind of slow. He was a third baseman. He was 0 for something or other or 1 for 25 in 1982. And it wasn't looking that good, but the Cubs stuck with him. The general manager or president at the time was Dallas Green, who came over from the Phillies, knew all about Ryan Sandberg, knew what he had, and he persuaded his former team, the Phillies, to trade him to the Cubs. But uh, that's one that turned out, as did later, uh, Jesse's chapter in the book about Jake Arrieta, another Mm. good trade. But, yeah, the Sandberg trade may go down as as the best in Cubs history. You could argue that.
1: Yeah. And, Bruce, I'd have to imagine in terms of regular season games, and let's exclude when you clinch a division or a wild card spot, that Sandberg game against the Cardinals on the NBC Game of the Week still has to register as one of the all-time regular season games in Cub history.
2: Oh, certainly. I was not on the beat then, but I certainly remember watching that game, and I think NBC had awarded Willie McGee the player of the game or whatever <laughs> it was late in the game, Willie McGee of the Cardinals, and lo and behold, two home runs by Sandberg to tie the game, and Dave Owen finally won it. But yeah, for me, that's one of them. And the other one that we touch on in the book is the Kerry Wood 20 strikeout mm. game. I have a chapter on you know why Kerry Wood remains such a phenomenon with the Cubs and their fans despite the injuries and despite maybe... Not living up to others' expectations, but I would have to say yes. The Sandberg game for me, in, in quote-unquote recent memory, 40 years ago almost, and and the Kerry Witch strikeout game are two of the best regular season games I have ever seen. One I covered, and one I watched
1: on TV. I'm Darren Pritchett, joined by Bruce Miles, the co-author of the new book, The Franchise: Chicago Cubs, a curated history of the North Siders. Bruce, through the years, the Cubs always provide interesting storylines for you to write about when you were the beat reporter for this particular team. I think about covering Lou Piniella managing the team. You had the Bartman game, the Cubs winning the World Series in 2016. So many high points and low points. I'm just wondering, what portion of Cubs history do you find the most interesting and fun that brought out possibly the most creative side of your writing?
2: I think, for me, one of the most fun seasons, when you talk about 16 that won the World Series, for me, 15, that year we talked about a few minutes ago being a year ahead of schedule. There were so many things that year because Joe Madden was new to the team and fresh, and uh, Kyle Schwarber hitting that home run onto the score, scoreboard roof the top of the scoreboard in right field i think i said that the the ball landed in kalamazoo michigan uh when it was hit i put that on twitter and somebody goes you know that's possible geographically it didn't get quite that far maybe if the scoreboard hadn't stopped it it would have but i really like that uh 15th season of course 16 with the world series but so many are uh, the 98 season was so much fun with the sosa mcguire home hmm. run chase Carrie Wood emerging on the scene, the 20 strikeouts, and the Cubs winning the wild card improbably that year. So, as you said, there is no shortage of of lore, of folklore, of interesting figures and characters in Cubs history. I'd almost like to do another volume two of this book and, and explore some of the other areas of, of the history. Tinker Evers and Chance in the oh, early yeah. 1900s, Cap Anson, Why the Cubs were so bad after World War II, and it took them 20 years to really be contenders after that. So, I I could say that you could pick a year or an era out of a hat and say, Let's go with this, and we'll have a good time writing and talking about it.
1: Bruce, I think you read my notes because you're walking me perfectly into my next question. I was curious when part two of this book is written down the line. I'm wondering. How do you think you would describe the seven years following the Cubs winning that ultimate world championship? How would you define it?
2: Wow, that's really good. You know what? Jesse and I, my co-author Jesse Rogers and I have talked about that. Jesse was going to do a chapter on why that team had to be broken up. I think it's one of great disappointment. Uh, Naturally, they made the um, NLCS in 2017, the year after the title. And I give the Cubs a break on that. It's awfully hard to repeat. You Mm -hmm. have the hangover. The Dodgers were a very good team, but I think it's one of disappointment. I think it's one of unfulfilled potential. I remember Joe Madden talking in 15 and 16 and even 17, talking about the young players, Baez, Bryant, Contreras, Rizzo, Schwarber, and saying, just wait a few years until these guys are older and more mature and see what they're going to do. And it really hasn't panned out that way for various reasons, whether it be injury injury. Or or just, you know, maybe hitting, hitting their ceiling and, and, you know, us not knowing that the ceiling was a little bit lower than the Cubs had thought. So, to me, to answer your question succinctly, disappointment and, uh, you know, unfulfilled potential.
1: Bruce, let me sneak in two more questions. These are more questions about the Cubs right now. They've got an interesting uh, – storyline right now they're just on the fringe being in the playoff race seven games out of first place in the nl central trying to chase down those surprising cincinnati reds and you've got two guys cody bellinger and marcus stroman who may not be with the cubs next year stroman could opt out bellinger's a free agent how do you think this all plays out leading into the trade deadline
2: yeah it, the cubs are in a real tough position as you said they're in a weak division where a winning streak can put you right back into the playoff picture. So I think that Jed Hoyer is really going to have to sit down with his general manager, Carter Hawkins, and his scouts, starting right now, if they haven't done so already, and say, okay, what are we going to do here? Are we going to fish or are we going to cut bait? Marcus Stroman has already gone out on social media a few weeks ago to talk about really wanting to get an extension done. I think he did that. Uh, to put some pressure on the Cubs, and he was in a good position to do so, having a a good record and so forth. But I I don't know how it's going to turn out, but the Cubs are in just a difficult position. You're kind of in between. The the problem with this weak division thing is you can get lulled into thinking you're still in it, but if you're chasing two or three teams instead of one, it gets more difficult with the math. So um, I I don't envy the position, but I I, I do think that uh, if, The the mediocre play continues, and they don't really gain ground. I think you may see a couple of these guys traded off.
1: Final question for you, Bruce, and I really appreciate your time. You look at the NL Central, and – It doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that the Chicago Cubs have financial advantages over the other teams in the division. Now, spending money doesn't mean you're going to win the World Series. The Mets and the Padres have gone all in, and they're not even 500 teams at this particular time. But with the Cubs being kind of the whale of the NL Central, many fans always want to know, do you feel like the Cubs are doing all they can financially to put the best team on the field? And could we see that possibly come back? once some of these guys like Pete Crow Armstrong make it to the major league level and they feel like they're more of a World Series contender?
2: Yeah, that's always the perplexing uh, question here in town. No, I don't think that they're doing that. When Jed Hoyer and Theo Epstein came to town in late 2011, they said that they wanted to build a foundation for sustained success. And when we heard that all through the lean years of 12, 13, and 14. Well, they started having that success in 15, reached the, the mountaintop in 16, and it kind of uh, went away after that as far as winning World Series and advancing deep in the playoffs. So I, I think that that has been a really disappointing aspect with the Cubs. I, I think the whole the Darvish trade really bothered me from a fan mm-hmm. standpoint because they got so little for him in what was you know, a blatant salary dump at the time. So, no, I don't think being the biggest market in that division by a long shot that they are doing what they can and like you said, when some of these prospects are ready to come up, I would hope for the Cubs fans' sake that the Cubs get back into doing that, flexing that financial muscle. I, I don't know if you <laughs> watched a game that, one, that A.J. Pruszynski was doing on the network. He said, budget. What budget? Look at this place because it was full that night. And, you know, AJ, the former White Sox player, was kind of taking a shot at the Cubs there. But, anyway, you know, he wasn't wrong.
1: Yeah, that's great. Hey, Bruce, where can Cub fans find your brand-new book, The Franchise, Chicago Cubs, A Curated History of the Northsiders?
2: For those who like online shopping, Amazon.com is the place to go. And if you have a Barnes & Noble or some independent book shop in your town, You can get it there, as I always say, anywhere books are sold.
1: (laughs) Bruce, it has been an honor to talk to you today. I've read your work and listened to you for so many years. A great pleasure to have you on the program and visiting with our South Bend Cub fans here in town as they get set to watch Kate Horton pitch tonight at Four Winds Field. So thank you so much for your time and, and best wishes on the new book.
2: Thank you so much and love South Bend and hope to get back there one of these days.
1: We look forward to it, Bruce. Thank you so much. Thanks, Darren. That is Bruce Miles. Again, check out his book, The Franchise, Chicago Cubs, A Curated History of the Northsiders. I just put a picture of the book on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat, so make sure you check it out. 546 at WSBT.